Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Taking a, a question today. And um, I would say, if you truly have questions, you need to send them across. I think it's, it's really helpful. Because I could be teaching some stuff and you have issues that you have not been able to sort out in your heart. So if you have questions, just write them down. We'll keep on dealing with those questions. And I think it's very important. The question I have today is, why do people use the blood of Jesus to cover themselves or food? Is it right? Explain. Why do people use the blood of Jesus to cover themselves or food? Is it right? Explain. Now the question I want to do with. Um... I know this is something that is going on. I know this is something that um, is, is being practiced all over the place. You're traveling on the road and you see people praying and pleading the blood on the road, pleading the blood on the steering, pleading the blood on the driver, all of that. Uh, even at home, your private homes will find things like that going on as well. People pleading the blood. We want to look at that today. But essentially, I'm going to be reading two passages of scripture that I know this teaching or doctrine is coming from. And then we're going to take time to examine those two passages of scripture. And then we'll be able to see how the blood was applied or used right from time. From the Old Testament down to the New. I made mention of this to us some time ago. You truly cannot establish a doctrine all by itself in the New Testament. Isaiah said there is a mate for every word. So if you don't find a practice in the old, then it's a little bit difficult for you to establish it as a doctrine in the new. And when you try to establish a doctrine in the new, you should be able to see that it's actually revealing Christ because all scriptures are meant to reveal Christ. And then we'll be able to see whether we'll find such practices. How was the blood used in the Old Testament? And then how is this supposed to be used today? Anyway, let's read those two passages and make progress. Revelation 12, uh, I'm reading from verse number 7. Revelation 12 from verse number 7. The Bible says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. That's their place. Verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan could deceive the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation, and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren 
is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Verse 11 says, And they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Now, I want you to see that. If you have your Bible with you, notice the word. It didn't say they love not their life unto death. He said they love not their life unto the death. The death. I'm going to explain that. It's definite. It's a type of death. Is that okay? Alright. So now this is where uh, the church is speaking this doctrine from, or this teaching of blood covering from. Then the second passage, we're going to consider also where they pick it from, is Exodus 12. Let's look at that from verse 3. Exodus 12, speaking from verse 3, he said, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you your count for the lamb. The lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. He shall take it out from the ship or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the door, on the two sides post and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unliving bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, not sudden, at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the painters thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. And thou shall ye eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will, now look at verse 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Who is passing? Who is passing? I. Who is the I here now? God. I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both small and great, or both, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And verse 13 says, And the blood shall be, you listen to this, to you for a sign or a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see, who is seeing the blood? God. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smile the land of Egypt. Praise the Lord. Now, like I said, these are the two major passages where people come up with this doctrine of sprinkling the blood on the road. In the first passage, now we're going to explain much later, but we're going to start dealing with Exodus. Here we find that the identification and protection was for the house of Israel in Egypt. The blood here, remember it's the blood of the lamb that they said must eat, which has to do with the blood of Jesus. What we just read in Exodus 12 is a type of Jesus. Amen? And then we also have been able to say the function of the blood 
when it is applied on the doorpost. It was made to identify the children of Israel. It was God that was going to pass through the land to kill every firstborn that was upon the land. And so God was saying, when I'm passing by, or by sending the angel of death, or the ministry of death, to go through the land to kill all the firstborn, if I see the blood, I will pass over, meaning the blood covers you, or is a sign that you belong to him. Amen? So again, I want you to understand that the blood was for only the house of Israel. I want you to know that, because it's very important. The blood here was made for only the house of Israel. It was not made for any other person. Praise the Lord. You following that? Good. Again, I want you to cap because it's very important. God was to identify his people through the blood. The devil have no part in this business. As far as this passage is concerned. It was not a devil that was killing people. It was God. Now, if you want to take this to be the way by which you can apply the blood, you are only trying to say, as a matter of fact, you shouldn't apply it on the car, on the driver, on the tire, on the road. You should apply it on yourself. So that when God sees you, as you mean you, you, you've come to the conclusion God is killing people. As you mean God sees you, he will leave you alone. It has nothing to do with the devil. The devil was not the one killing people. It was God that was going through the city to destroy every firstborn. How have we come to turn it around and now we're using it to protect ourselves from the devil? That is not what the Bible said. That is not what God asked the people to do. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying here? Let me make it clear to you. It was God alone that was passing by to do the destruction. Nothing to do with the devil. The devil had no part in this. The devil was not going to come into this. It was God alone. Praise the Lord. And he's saying, as I'm going to pass by, if I see the blood, I will know that you belong to me. Then I won't touch you. I won't touch whoever is there. So the blood was meant for the church. The blood was not meant for the road. If we have to go by this passage now that we're looking at. Are you with me? We are not supposed, if we want to take this scripture, there is no room for us to take this scripture and begin to apply the blood on the road. If you have to apply this blood on the road, you are indirectly saying God have to... Pr-. I mean, that is even when you have come to the conclusion that God said he wants to destroy people that particular day. And maybe you need also to wait for him to tell you to apply the blood because he told them to apply the blood. Hallelujah. So, we're doing our own thing. Not God's business. Let's understand. For me, it's an abuse of the blood of Jesus. Because if you take time to study, you find that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Meaning, when we receive the blood of Jesus, we have life within us. So the right place to plead the blood is the church, not the road. And you're not pleading the blood to cover you from anything called the devil. No. It was meant for God to identify you as his own. Abuse your relationship with him. Praise the Lord. Let's look at another thing because we're dealing with the blood of Jesus in the true sense. Hebrews chapter 9, let's look at verse 22. Looking at how the blood was applied right from old time. Hebrews 9 verse 22. And almost all things are by the law poured with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Without shedding of blood is no remission. 
Here we are being told that there is no salvation except through the sacrificial death of Christ. It's referring to Christ. Are you there with me? I'm trying to make you see the uses or the application of this blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. In other words, we can't get into salvation without blood being shed. And Jesus shed the blood. He didn't shed the blood for tires. He didn't shed the blood for, for food. He shed that you might be saved. It is the blood that cleans you. Hallelujah. So we find that salvation came through the sacrifice of Jesus. And the shadow of it is what we see as the law itself, which is the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Now, every sinner, for instance, has forfeited his life by his transgression through Adam. Is that okay? And the Lord of God requires his death. Wages of sin is dead. Hallelujah. And then the blood of the victim is shed. When you kill, the blood must pour out. Hallelujah. But if we find that Jesus took our place and shed his blood, that we might be saved. Meaning, he met the requirement of the law that said, when you sin, you die. Are you there with me? So we find that Christ typifies all the animals, the bulls that they were using to offer the sacrifices. So he gave his life for the life of the world. Human life for human life. But this is a life that really glorifies God because it's a life of the blood that is innocent, meaning without sin. Amen? He offered pure blood. But I beg you in the name of Jesus. That you don't take this pure blood that he offered and put it on an inanimate object. Because the blood is meant to give life to the recipient. Amen? Let me look at something again in relation to the blood. Talk with me to Exodus 29. And verse 17. Exodus 29, verse 17. The Bible says, And thou shalt take of the blood of the bullock, and put it upon the horns of the altar with a finger, and pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. What was the purpose of this? The altar has to do with part of the temple. Is that okay? That Moses built. And God was saying, you have to offer the bullock or whatever that you need to offer, but then you apply the blood to the horns of the altar. What was the purpose? Let's look at Leviticus 8, verse 15. Leviticus 8, verse 15. Okay, let's go to verse... Start reading from 14. Let's read from 14. Back up a bit. And he brought the bullock for the sin offering. You listen to that. What was the bullock for? Sin offering. And Aaron and his son laid their hands upon the head of the bullock for the sin offering. Verse 15. And he slew it. And Moses took the blood. And put it upon the horns of the altar, round about with his finger, and purified the altar. Can you can you get the meaning of that? What is the blood meant to do here? Purify the altar. And pour the blood at the bottom of the altar and sanctify it to make what? 
reconciliation upon it. Hallelujah. Purify the altar to do what? Make reconciliation. The purpose of the blood being offered on the altar is to reconcile man back to God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to find that to explain. There's a big difference between reconciliation and conciliation. I'm going to find that to explain that. And the Bible says, be reconciled to God. You reconcile enemies, but in conciliation, one man is making an attempt to get the other person. That's the difference between conciliation and reconciliation. Is that alright? Some other time we deal with that. But you find the reason why the blood is over on the altar? is for what? Reconciliation. We are saying that altar now provides the means by which God and man comes together. So when you find that Jesus was offered as a lamb, definitely was offered on the altar. For what purpose? For the reconciliation of man back to God. So you are not asked to go build an altar and begin to put blood in it. Hallelujah. That is ritualistic. That have nothing to do with God or the Bible. We have one altar, Bible says in the book of Hebrews. With those that serve in those places, you have no right to eat from. And our altar is in Christ. Praise the Lord. Did you see it there? Go to Exodus 29 verse 20. Let me show you something. I'm still looking at the application of the blood. The way it is in scriptures. Exodus 29 verse 20. Then shall I kill the ram and take off his blood and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons and upon the thumb of their right hand and upon the great toe of their right foot and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. What's the purpose? Again, we want to look at it. Because we're going by the question, why do people plead the blood on food, on road, or whatever? Is that okay? What was the blood meant for here? And where is this said to be applied? The right ear, the right hand, the right foot. Are you with me? Are you listening? I want you to follow it. So, if you truly want to plead the blood... Or sprinkle the blood, then you better locate people's ear and right hand and right foot and put it there. Not on tires, not on road. No, 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 no. There are places where the blood was applied, and there are reasons why the blood was applied in such places. And I'm going to explain that to you. On the altar, it was for the purpose of reconciliation. What about on the ears and on the right hand and on the right toe? Okay. I'm going to explain this. So you will find that you take the blood, put it on the right, on the right what? On the tip of the right ear. Okay. And then the thumb. And then the big toe. Why? What it means to say here is they should be dedicated or they have been dedicated all their faculties and powers to the services of God. Amen? The whole of their being is being consecrated to the services of God. 
or service of God. The E stands for the hearing and the studying of the law. So consecrate the ears so that they can hear. Remember, these are the priesthood. So that when they study the world, they'll be able to get understanding. Hallelujah. I want you to follow what I'm saying. That is the year. So if you truly want to plead the blood, where do you think you need to plead it on? On the ears of the people, so that they can have understanding of what they are reading or hearing. You're wasting it on the road. Hallelujah. Number two. Put it on the hands or the tongue. What that's supposed to mean. Their hands stands for diligence in the sacred ministry and to complete act of obedience. Hands speaks of diligence. Are you there with me? Because the minister on the altar, the minister of the people, so their hands should be so sanctified, consecrated for diligent service as ministers of God. That's what it means. Amen. The third place where the blood is applied is the foot. Which speaks of the walk in the way of God's precepts. Just like scriptures in the book of Romans chapter 10. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of Christ. Ability to follow God's word. Follow God's leading. That's what the anointing of the toe stands for. With the blood. Praise the Lord. So, no, no, no. You, you, you realize something. In the book of Matthew, we find that there was this man, a married lamb. Married supper of the lamb, whatever you want to call that. And there was a man that got in there. Right? Until the host came in and found the man right there and began to ask the question, how did you come in here? You know the story? And then we are told to burn what? His hand and his feet. And cast him into outer darkness. So what does that mean for you? To buy the hand and the feet simply means you are not qualified to do ministry in my name. These people here are being qualified to carry the ministry of the Lord. They will hear him. They can act, lay hands on the sick. They can walk, preach the gospel in his name. So the man that got in there without what it takes to go in there, his hand and his feet were what? Bound. What is that supposed to mean? Disqualified. You can carry the message of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. Outer darkness means going beyond where they were before because the Jews were, as it were, Jesus says the light, and men love darkness. So to go into outer darkness, to go beyond the level of which the Jewish was, even before Jesus came. Darkness to outer darkness. Is that okay? That's what he's saying here. So, this sprinkling means, I mean, seems to empower and teach them that without this application of the blood of the sacrifice, they could neither hear, nor walk, or work and walk. Is that okay? You can do anything, you can move. Without this application of the blood, you do not have the right to do ministry on behalf of Jesus. That's what he's teaching us. To hear. To perform miracles, if you will. To carry the gospel to walk, which has to do with your feet. These are the three levels by which the application of the blood was being put into in the Old Testament. There is never a time the blood was meant to be applied on the road or on tires. And funny enough, even on food that you eat. Because people even plead the blood on food. The 
Bible says we should sanctify the food with all thanksgiving unto the Lord. Simple. Is that not what he said? He did say put blood on food. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to show you something. The way Jesus also applied this particular scripture in the New Testament. While he was alive. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 14. I'll read from verse 1. Leviticus 14 verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper. In the day of his cleansing, he shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and high soap and he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering trespass offering hmm? some of the blood of the trespass offering okay sorry and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and pour them upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed. You follow it now. It's like saying, if I am leprous in Israel, and because you're going to find that out again, when somebody picked up the disease or sickness of leprosy and it's observed that this guy is leprous, they excommunicate him from the camp. It's like they quarantine him somewhere else. He will not join the people. Now, if the person is healed of this leprosy, they will inform the priest. The priest goes out of the camp. So much is coming in now. Goes out of the camp to observe if this man is truly healed of this leprosy. Are you there with me? Now, when the priest observes that he's truly healed of the leprosy, he now ask him to bring these two birds and the lamb and whatever the case may be. And then he kills the animal and takes the blood and put it on the ear tip of the one that was once leprous. Are you following me? Okay. And it's called transverse offering. Okay. Then the Bible says, And upon the top of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right leg. Same thing over there. That means, this man is being qualified to come back into the congregation. Are you following that? Verse 26 Leviticus 14, verse 26. And the priest shall pour of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. Verse 28. And the priest shall put off the oil that is in the right hand upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed. And upon the tomb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot, and upon the place of the blood of the transparent offering. The verse 29 says, And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put upon the head of him that is to be cleansed. To make what? And atonement for him before the Lord. Hallelujah. To make an atonement for him. I will explain our word a little bit as well. 
So here is the, the law of the leopard in terms of cleansing. And uh, we, we do have this story, and people preach quite a lot about it. The time of famine, and there were, how many lepers were by the gates? And they say, if we die, we die, let's go in, right? Why do you think they were outside the camp? Because lepers were not allowed to stay with people. Is that all right? Very good. So this is the law of leper or leprosy. Once you're cleansed, you come to the Lord, and then you're coming back. And what's the next thing? You bring all of those things, the priest kill them, take the blood, your ear, your right thumb, your right foot. It's just a moment of reconciliation. A, a moment of bringing you back from the world into the household of faith. I got what it stands for. Friends, I don't know how this doctrine of bleeding blood on the road came about. And I don't know how it is biblical in that which you are doing. Praise the Lord. Go with me to Luke chapter 17. Let's look at the story there. Luke 17 verse 11. And it came to pass, as he, which is Christ, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And this is sometimes very important. If we truly have to follow what has happened here, you only need the word of Christ to get your sins forgiven and cleansed out. Are you with me? The Bible said they were lepers. He simply said, go show yourself. As they were going, they got cleansed. They were still lepers when he left his presence. But as they are moving on, miracle is taking place. Sometimes you need to believe God for whatever thing is going to tell you. Are you there with me? And Jesus will say the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. Let's see where Jesus took this from. Leviticus 13. Verse 45. You know, I, I was so blessed by our brother's ministration over the week. I don't know how many of you really follow some of the stuff that he was talking about. Huh? He really spoke my mind. I was so blessed by his ministration. I was so blessed by Banky's ministration. Because we're doing very silly things in the church. I would call it religion. Hmm? Leviticus 30, 45. The Bible says, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Can we get it from another translation? Whatever translation you want. Leviticus 13 verse 46. 45, 46. Message. As long as anyone has a soul that one continues to be ritually unclean, that person must live alone. He or she must live outside of the camp. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's verse 46, right? You must live outside the camp. This is what it is. 
No. Are you surprised the Bible even says we should go out to meet Jesus outside the camp? Do you know why it has to be outside the camp? Because as it were, he was not only the sacrificial lamb, but he was also bearing the iniquities of our sins. Therefore, he was not meant to stay with people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you sitting there with me? He was made sin who knew no sin. Remember that? And sin in the Bible is properly defined as leprosy. So you have to understand it. And anyone that is leprous is not meant to stay amongst people. Go out. So here Jesus was coming and find those people outside. Why were they outside? Because they were unclean. They were leprous. In a way, they were saying unclean, unclean. Right? But he spoke to Jesus. You can help us. Jesus said, you go show yourself to the priest. What does that must mean? Go show yourself to the priest. Let the priest examine you. And by the time they go there, the priest must have examined them and find that their leprosy was over. What's the next thing? They get back into the camp. Reconciliation. So the blood ultimately reconciles you back to God. The blood puts you together in the household of faith. Hallelujah. And so John chapter 1, the Bible tells us, when we fellowship together, the blood of Jesus cleans us from our what? All unrighteousness. That's what he's saying. It's not something you plead on the road. What sin has the quotal committed that the blood needs to go in there? What sin is the tire suffering from? What is the tire leprous that he needs the blood? I mean, we do this ignorantly, and sometimes we think, oh, we're getting results. I've always said it. it. Result is not a proof that this sin is of God. Because the traditional worshiper can do. How many of you understand that even the magicians in Egypt also performed miracles? They were magicians. They also performed miracles. But God's miracle was superior, that's all. But they performed miracles. So, performing of a miracle is not a proof that what you are doing is right. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go back again to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to try to put this up for tonight and then we'll continue next week. Luke chapter 5, verse number 12. And it came to pass, when he was in the southern city, behold, a man full of leprosy, Saul's, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately leprosy departed from him. Now, I also want you to think about this because it's very important. In terms of what we do, Sometimes we think there are basic doctrines that, I mean, we call it basic doctrines, that we must continuously follow. The other ten lepers, he told them, go and show yourself. They became clean. What did he do with this one? He didn't say go. He touched him. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. Verse 14. And he charged him to tell no man. Now, I want you to see the difference. The first time, go. They go clean. Go show yourself. This one, he touched him. Tell no man. But go and show thyself to the priest. And offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded. For a testimony unto them. What is a testimony unto them? To let them know. That of the truth, you are cleansed. For the priest will accept you back and bring you back into the fold. Go show yourself to them. And by the time this man is going to show themselves to them, maybe they're going to ask him, How did you get healed? 
going to let them know Jesus did. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So like I said earlier on, the lepers were isolated while still lepers. So Jesus' order was to have them restored back to the church. Hence, go show yourself to who? To the priest. Friend, what I'm trying to make you see is this. The blood is meant to reconcile men back to who? To God. That is the ultimate purpose. The blood is meant to cleanse our conscience. Nothing to do with... What, if I were using it for protection, but it's meant to cleanse us. I don't know if you are getting what I'm talking about. We have turned what it was supposed to be used for into something else. It was meant to cleanse us. It was meant to reconcile us. But now we use it for protection. I don't know how that works. Even if you think you are getting results. Because we are not applying the blood the way it was supposed to be applied. And the Lord God Banky said, But Holy Ghost fire and the blood, it should be upon us, not on anybody else. The more of his blood you receive, the more of his life you receive. You pleading the blood on tires, you are empowering whatever it is, like he was saying. Even if your driver is not, I wish when you play the blood on drivers, driver finally get repented, it would have been better off. If they are pleading the blood without understanding, we will have more people repenting who are driving. Coming to the Lord. Because the blood is meant to reconcile them back to God. But you are pleading the blood so that the devil does not. Who ever told you the devil is even waiting for you on the road? Who told you that? Praise the Lord. I remember one of the accidents that I had a few years ago, a terrible one, between Jabu Day and whatever. About 1 a.m. in the night when we were going to Singapore for a meeting. It was not a devil in any way. This guy was drunk. He was trying to keep himself awake. And then I remember when we got to one of the places before out in Jabodi, there he parked, went to take a shot. I remember they asked him, What have you just done? He wanted to shine his eyes. But you remember when you are drunk, you're going to be sleepy. How will you shine your eye with? With strong drink. And then landed all of us in the bush. Hallelujah. No devil was waiting for us. Even if a devil was waiting for us, he gave himself over to the devil to be used. Are you with me? You are feeling sleepy, you park the car. Instead of going to uh, take hot drink, that will shine your eye. How your eye going to shine when you become tipsy? Hallelujah. We are using the blood in a wrong way. I wish the person that asked this question is in service today so that they can understand. Wrong application where you begin to plead the blood on rope, plead the blood on tires, plead the blood on your ceiling, and the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. What kind of ritualistic spirit you carrying? It has nothing to do with God. Anytime you plead the blood, you are saying God redeemed these people. So even if you plead in the blood on devil, you are trying to redeem the devil. That is what the blood is meant to do. To reconcile people. To make you walk better. To make you hear God. So it comes to your ears, comes to your tongue. I mean... What did the Bible say? They shall lay hands on the sick and they are, the sick shall do what? Recover. That's the effect of the blood on your tongue. Your hand is being empowered. How many of you understand what we're reading? Say the right hand. Not just the hand, the right hand. Hallelujah. Now, we said earlier on that the blood was made for atonement. The book of Leviticus, right? What does atonement mean? It means the leper sin had been atoned for 
with the use of the blood of the Lamb. Now, if you know and if you believe that leprosy equals sin, it means the sinners have been atoned for by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Now, the word atonement simply means at one meant. At dash one dash meant. At one meant. Which is the same thing as reconciliation. Amen? It speaks of the state of being at one or being reconciled so that atonement is actually what? Reconciliation. That's what it stands for. So when the Bible talks about the blood is for atonement when it's poured on the altar, what it's trying to say is because the blood is poured on the altar, we who bring such sacrifices have been reconciled back unto who? Unto God. That's what the blood does. Hallelujah. So, perhaps if you see a sinner and you decide to say the blood of Jesus, I think it makes more sense. Amen? Yeah. If you see a sinner, you're not pleading the blood for the blood to consume him. You're pleading the blood for the blood to reconcile him. God, that's what it's meant for. It's the blood of reconciliation. Not the blood of condemnation. Amen? See, if you know that those who don't receive the blood, they're already under judgment, then you understand how best to apply the blood. Because I'm saying this again. If you plead the blood on witches, you don't know what you are doing. If you plead the blood on whatever thing you think is after you, you don't know what you are doing. You just do not know. And of course, God must be laughing because what you are doing is not effectual. It's not, it's not working with it. Praise the Lord. Therefore, we find that it is used to denote the effect which flows from the death of Christ. That's what reconciliation is. That's what the blood is all about. The blood of Jesus is offered and may be reconciled back unto who? Unto God. Period. It's not meant to chase demons on the road. It's not meant to chase witches from your house. No. What dispatches witches and demons from your house is the glory of God that's upon you. The edge of protection. Satan was able to tell God, as a parable anyway, that how can I touch him? Is there not an edge around him? Now Job did not know that there was an edge around him. And that is exactly how so many Christians walk. They don't understand that their home is protected with the edge and the glory of God. They don't know it. And as long as the fence is there, the devil can come in. Hallelujah. You plead the blood on yourself, you receive more of his life. Change it today. Instead of pleading it on people, plead it on yourself. And receive more of his life into your life. Amen. We, we sing the song of Holy Ghost Fire Pursue Them. I'm sure you remember that as well. But what was the Holy Ghost Fire meant to do? To empower people. So the more you pray in that kind of prayer and sing it and song, the more you are empowering people. If only God is actually answering your prayer. You are empowering people. Because the Holy Spirit, how God anointed Jesus with power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you understand that? And he went about doing good. So, you're trying to lose them, receive more strength to destroy me. Because you are empowering them with the Holy Spirit of God. It's all wrong. Wrong theology. Wrong belief. So, wrong attitude. Hallelujah. So then, when it is so used, talking about the blood now, Atonement, it means sanctification or satisfaction, in quote. What that means is, 
God is satisfied with the blood that he offered. It simply means all the requirement that is needed by the law for you to be free, the blood satisfies God in those demands. So you are a free man by reason of the blood. Is that okay? That is what atonement stands for. Praise the living God. Uh, scriptures that we need to read, but we're not going to be reading all of that tonight. I want you to capture this because it's very important. Okay, let's look at just these two scriptures and we'll be done for tonight. Look at Exodus 32 verse 30. Let's just read it. Exodus 32 verse 30. Praise the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have seen a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord, but adventure I shall make an atonement. Can you get that? I shall make an atonement for your sin. So he's going to plead. So if the blood is for atonement, that means the blood is pleading on our behalf. Did you get that? Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? That's the point. Moses said, ah, you, you better wait. Let me go meet God. Because I'm going to have an atonement for your sins. I'm going to go to plead. Now you see why the blood pleads on your behalf. The blood is speaking on your behalf every day. And God keeps always forgiving you because it's atoning for your sins. Are you there with me? Now you tell me, how do you reconcile this? Pleading the blood on the road. What, what is God reconciling? The third road or the tires of the car? Or the steering or the, or the whatever? I mean, you tell me. Praise the Lord. I remember one time somebody called me as a pastor and said, Ah, I can't drive my car. So what happened? See, I opened the bonnet and there was a red cloth and there was something and there was something. What did you do with it? So, Nick, the car is there. That's why I called you. Okay. I went there and picked those red things and said, can you drive the car now? You drive your car. Somebody put a red cloth there, fine. I don't know how you opened the bonnet. Maybe you carelessly left your bonnet open. Drive your car. Nothing is happening to your engine. Nothing is happening to you. You don't need to go there and plead in blood. You want to plead blood on engine? To reconcile the engine to who? That's a problem. We don't understand what the blood is meant for. So, for me, it's an abuse of the blood of Jesus. We're abusing it. Let's take another scripture. Okay. Number chapter 6, verse 11. Number 6, verse 11. And the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering and make an atonement for him for that he sinned by the dead and shall hallow his head that same day. Seen by the dead. Because the priests were not supposed to touch a dead corpse. that okay? What is the atonement? Atonement is just simple principle of what? Reconciliation. Back to fellowship with God. Is that all right? I'm saying that what atonement has to do with the blood of Jesus is just reconciling us back to God. Nothing to do with all of those fears. So please take note of that. What we read in the book of Exodus 12, the blood was meant for the household of faith, but not meant for the outsiders. Is that okay? Even in the vessel in the temple that were consecrated with the blood, they were meant to be sanctified so that they can be of use to God. Praise the Lord. There was never a time God asked that the blood of the Lamb should be offered to outsiders. Never a time in the Bible. From the old down to the new. Never a time. So this is a wrong teaching that is going on in the church. And it's all based on fear. They are looking for protection. They are looking for something that will protect them from their perceived enemies. And they think the blood is what is going to do that. But if the blood is working the way they are pleading it, we shall have had more converts reconciled unto God. 
It simply means the blood is not working. The way they are using it. Because the blood cleans you. Cleans your son's conscience from dead works. To serve the living God. 